Episode 237 of the Bevan James Isle Show, an important high-performance tool. Radio team, welcome along to episode 237 of the Bevan James. I'll show you a Fortney podcast on the behaviors that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Welcome along today. Um, it's, I'm actually recording this show. I know it'll be released when you guys normally get it, but I'm recording it a few days early because my wife and I have gone away for a weekend away together. I'm a big believer in weekend aways with partners or is an important thing to do in life because... You know, we're often caught up in the busy moments of life, and so you get that moment to kind of, you know, reconnect, have some time together, do some cool experiences, and that's what, that's so, that's why, as this show is released, that's what I'm doing right now with Joe, my wife. Anyway, this today's show, I, I got asked to do a talk presentation for um, a, a group of Les Mills instructors recently around high performance, and I've got to be honest, I really struggled with designing this talk, because it's such a broad subject, and one thing I thought about is there's a kind of aspect of high performance which doesn't really get talked about. And I was sometimes when you do talks like this, because I do a bit of public speaking, and what you tend to do as a public speaker is you kind of tend to have, like I probably have 10 talks I do. And so if someone comes to you and they say that they want to do a talk, you know, I'll kind of use one of my 10 talks, depending on what they want from me as a speaker. Uh, but then sometimes you do have to create new content. And, you know, I've, I've created a lot of content over my time, so I kind of know how to put it together. And a lot of the times you kind of know exactly what you want to do. But this time I wasn't so sure. I kind of started it and then just wasn't coming together. And then it's funny how your mind works, isn't it? It's funny how my mind was in a place where I was, I was feeling a little bit lost about it. And I kind of put it aside and then I, was, I think I was doing a class at the gym, and then I thought, oh, like I'm literally teaching a class at the gym. Like let's imagine I'm teaching like a high-impact class, and halfway through the class I thought, oh, that's the thing I should talk about. So I did this presentation around it last night, and um, yeah, and so I'm going to do the presentation to you today, which will, will be a podcast, but it'll be some an important way to think about high performance, which maybe you haven't thought about in your past. Before I do want to talk about it, I want to say a big, um, I want to give one of my runners a big, big plug here. So last weekend I was coaching one of my my, my, my running groups, and there's a lady in a, a running group called Alana Rush. And now Alana has been running with us for about maybe a year or two, um, doing really well for running. Um, you know, But it had got to that point where sometimes I see with my runners where maybe they're ticking the boxes. You know, where it's that thing of you're in the routine, and, you know, I've often talked about good is better than great. And I'm not saying that, you know, Alana was doing poorly, but she was in that place where the habit was there, but she maybe wasn't stretching as much as what she had when she first joined the running group. But in the last moment of time, like in the last couple of months, Alana's been on fire. You know, she's running really well. Um, her technique's really great. She's getting fitter. But more importantly, she's really focused. You can just see when she's training that she's going to that higher level self when she's training. And I, was, I went up to her, I was coaching her, they were doing a long run, and when, when they're doing the longer runs, we tend to spend a little bit more time with them as coaches, so you get to have a bit more of a conversation with people. And I was just saying, you know, Lana, you seem to be on fire right now. And she said, well, 
um, maybe six weeks ago you did the goal setting session and I couldn't make the goal setting session. And so what I did, and what happened was I did the goal setting session for our running group before they started the next training block. And she couldn't make the training or that, that goal setting session. But you may remember that I did a podcast around three or four episodes ago on the subject. So I did a podcast based around how I did that goal setting session. And she said, I couldn't make the session with you. So then when I saw you'd done it as a podcast, I actually stopped. I did all the work in that podcast. So I, I listened to the podcast. I did all the work in the podcast. And then now I'm in a place where I'm feeling really focused and I'm getting the most out of my training. And why am I telling this to you? Well, pretty much every podcast at the end of this podcast, I say, you need to do the work. You know, all the tools that I introduce, all the tools that you probably get from other people who are trying to help you in your life, or, you know, self-help or, or, you know, just some growth and all the rest of it, they only work if you put the work in. And Alana is a great example of this because I tried to create an environment. So I tried to do a group goal-setting session, which was a lot easier because, you know, I was guiding it. Um, there was that group thing, you know, I tried to make the conditions easier for do that. Alana couldn't make that, but she took the responsibility and did it by herself. Now, the great thing is she's getting the rewards of putting their effort in. And actually, this is kind of giving you a bit of a clue to where we're going with today's subject. So, um, yeah, I, I just, you know, well done, Lana. And you, you're doing so well if you're running, which I'm really proud of you on that front. But I'm really proud that you you did the work to get yourself to this place. And if you're someone who's listened to the show many times over the years and you've gone, oh, I, 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 I should do this thing but you don't end up doing it. Maybe take a note from Alana's thing, and if I do a show that really hits a note with you, commit an hour or two to do the work in it. Because, you know, if you've listened to my show for a while, I always try to kind of open you up to a concept, talk you through a concept, and talk about how you can apply it in your life. And that's what you want to think about, you know, be like Alana is probably what I'm saying. Be like Alana, because it was really obvious that something had shifted in herself. And while I had given her a guideline, she did the work, and that's the most important thing. So, what well on, Lana? Um, other than that, I think uh, just my book. I've got an official date. I've got an official date for the book. It's coming out on the fourth of July. So, the fourth of July is when the book is officially getting released. Um, yeah, so I'm so excited. Like I'm, 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 I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm. I'm, I'm murky water, you know, it's all that good stuff, but it's really cool to think that in pretty much just over a month from now, this book is, which has been a two-year project for me, is actually going to be coming to, to you guys to actually help get people love exercising. So look out for that when it comes out. And I've been talking a lot on this podcast over the last period of time that I really want you to support this book. And there's two ways I want you to support this book, or actually three ways. First of all, buy it. And even if you're an exerciser and... Um, you know, because the book's not for exercises, it's for people who aren't exercising and helping them learn to love exercise for the long term. But if you're not, if you are an exerciser, maybe buy it and give it to somebody who you think it could help. And and doing that, what you're doing is just supporting me. And the book, the book, if you're going to get the print book, is about thirty-seven dollars New Zealand. The audio is twenty-seven, probably a bit cheaper on Kindle. You can even get a package in other ways. If you know, if you've got $37 worth of value out of my podcast over the years, that's one way you can support me in what I'm doing. Secondly, tell the people in your world who aren't exercising about this book. You know, that that's really important. And then if you do get the book and you really enjoy the book, reviews and, and spreading the word is going to be important. So I'll be talking once, once the week the book comes out, I'll probably do a podcast that's specific about the book. But my, my here's, here's my deal with the book. What I'm doing is, 
Um, we chose to self-publish. So we, we used a company called Mary Egan. Mary Egan is basically is like a publisher, but you pay. So it, they've made the product brilliant. I couldn't be happier with the product. Um, working with them has been really good. And what's happened is because we've paid, so we've spent a lot of money on this book. Like we've spent, I, I, I won't lie, we've probably gone, by the time it comes to market, we've probably spent $40,000 on this book. Like it's a lot of money. And But the reason we did that is because when you own the book, you make more money from the book. So the, the money that we make from the book now is a lot more. My, I'll be upfront. My first book, I went with a publisher. My publisher was great, really happy with it. Every book we sold with my first book, I made about $5. Which, to be honest, in my first book, I kind of just wrote it and put it out there. And I didn't really care. Whereas with this book, I want to help as many people as possible. And this is why we spent $40,000 in getting this book to the market. Because now, we make a lot more money when we sell a book. And... You could say, well, that's cool because I'm going to put money in my pocket, but I'm not. What I want to do is with every dollar I make from the book, or pretty much every dollar I make from the book, I want to reinvest it into marketing to get more people to get this book. Because I believe I've created a product that can really help people who aren't exercising, know how to bring it into their life successfully, know how to set up the foundation and make the right steps to have a lifetime life of exercise. And that's why, because I had publishers who wanted to publish this book. Like I put it to some publishers and they're like, yeah, we're in. And then I thought about it and I thought, if I'm getting $5 a book, I can't afford to pay for marketing. Whereas because we own the book, now basically all the profit we make from the book, we can put into marketing and let more people know about the book. And that's kind of the strategy that we're going with. So in this first period of time, we really want to have a massive hit of sales on the book. And the reason is, is if we can get, let's say we can sell enough books where we get a big enough budget that then we can, you know, start to go out there and, and let more people know about the book. And that's the whole idea is it's, it's kind of like a game monopoly, really. The more books we sell, the more money we have to help more people know about the book. And if the book actually works, the more people we can actually get moving. And if you know me, if you've listened to the show, you know I'm passionate about helping people love exercise for the long term. And then, again, this has been a passion project. I've spent probably average 10 hours a week for the last two years of my life. It's been a massive, in the last six months, I've probably spent 25 hours a week on it. Uh, we've invested over $40,000, and that's not including my time. Like If we think about paying me for my time, it's probably realistically over a $100,000 project. I'm not. I'm not complaining about this. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Don't want you to make me feel, make me feel sorry about this. This is me investing in something I really believe in in life. But that initial hit of sales, a, will help me get the word of mouth out there. But b, it gives me a budget to actually go out there and help reach more people. And because one of the things that's really encouraging about this, a couple of things that are really encouraging. Everyone who has seen the book so far have been overly complimentary. So my publisher, they, they, they really they, they think it's a great book. Um, I've got my PR people working for me right now, and the PR people, this is really encouraging, the PR people in their team, you know, they've got a team of people who work for them, and, and when I said to my publisher, she said, oh, here's the PR company, if there's one lady who's kind of like the rock star, and they said, if you can get her, you, you're really lucky. Well, I had the meeting with the PR company, and they said, when we were showing the books that we got to work through over the next period of time, the rock star said, I want this book. And she's been so on board with this book and she's given me really good PR around the book. So that's really encouraging. So the people seeing the book really believe in it. The next thing is, is anyone you tell about the book who's not exercising say, I need this book. And 
That's what this is about. I want to get as many people moving as possible. So as much as I, in the last couple of episodes, I've been saying I need you to buy this book. And really what you're doing is you're investing in me, but you're investing in helping other people love exercise. Because basically, pretty much all the money I'm going to make for the book, it's going to go back into marketing, which gets more people to learn about the book, which hopefully will get more people moving. So so yeah, so again, the 4th of July, I will be talking about a lot of the next couple of episodes, but it's a you know it's something I really believe in. And I'm... I'm re- I'm really excited. I think I said a couple of episodes ago, um, I can't wait for that day I get that email from someone who say, wow, this has really changed my life. And I've got emails from many of you guys who listen to this this podcast over the years saying, you know, this thing you've done in this podcast has really helped me move forward. And I love that. On a, on a sense of purpose in life and a sense of me doing my mission, I love it. But what I love more is that people have shifted. And if we can bring exercise into the lives of people who aren't exercising, man, that, that's massive, eh? Like, it, it is, it's life-changing in so many aspects. It's, it's in physical, it's in mental, it's in social, it's in life experience, it's in, it's in legacy, it's in role modeling, it's in mental health, it's in life experience. You know, there's so many great aspects of exercise. And if this book can help people get to that place, like, what a legacy for, for me, but also, if you can help me spread that legacy, look at what we can help people do. So get on board when it comes out, please. Um, anyway, that, that's my pitch. I do want to say a big thank you to the patrons of the show. These are people who donate some of their hard-earned money to my to the show every time I release an episode. And when they become a patron, they get a cool little nickname. Um, and these are some of the people who are patrons of the show. We've got Samantha Magic Johnson. I've seen Samantha's been doing some crazy adventuring lately. It's cool. We've got Sally Super Trooper Lamplu. We've got Laura Do A Lot Pfeiffer. She's a crazy ultra runner. We've got Marie, the Sound of Glory, and oh, you've got a you've got an interesting last name, Marie. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, the Apple. Say it to me. Here we go. What's this? Marie Andrews. Andrews, but it's spelt pretty interesting. And then we've got David Samuel, the smart super smasher. So uh, those are patrons of the show. If you want to become a patron and you want to support me, you can go to bevanjamesisles.com, look for podcast, look for support me, and go from there. Um, to be honest, at the moment, if you think about being a patron, maybe just wait and get my book. That's, that's your game. Help me help others. Anyway, here is the main gist of the show. So as I was saying earlier, I got asked to do this presentation on high performance. And high performance is a topic that has many aspects to it. So, you know, I could, there's many areas I could go with. And as I was saying earlier before as well, is that I, I almost got a bit overwhelmed in designing this talk. And so I was getting a little bit lost. I was, you know, as I was saying, I was teaching this class. And in this class, I had an epiphany around what I can talk around with high performance. And so let's start off with what is high performance. And high performance, there's many definitions. And as I was designing this talk, I kind of thought, you know, I'll just do a Google search, what is high performance? And here's a definition that came up on Google. Succeeding and above and beyond standard norms over the long term. Now, that's a pretty broad, broad kind of high performance definition. Don't know if it's, if it's a great one or not, but, you know, we can argue that's the case. So... Then I started thinking about what are some of the ways we can create high performance. And to me, one of the easiest ways that we can create high performance in our life is to consciously put ourselves in environments that create the higher performing self. 
to consciously put ourselves in environments that create the high-performing self. And then also when we're in those environments, we want to go in it with that growth mindset that we often talk about and to have an understanding that you're aiming to move towards growth and learn about yourself every step of the way. And, and, and probably one other thing I didn't talk about last night is to contribute to what that environment brings out so you can help bring that out in others so that you're a valuable member of the environment who also contributes to you know, bringing the best out of that environment. Now, that's one of the best ways to get high performance because it's almost like someone else is taking responsibility of high performance in your life. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, of, I love rugby league. Rugby league is probably my favorite sport to watch nowadays. And one of the greatest teams in rugby league in the Australian rugby league, the NRL it's called for those people in other parts of the world, is a team called the Melbourne Storm. The Melbourne Storm have been, over the last 20 years, have been one of the most successful sporting teams in Australasian sport. They've won many of the, the championships. They've just, I think, I was listening to something the other day, they have never had, I think since the last 10 years, they've basically never had, I think they have one week outside of the top eight, which is basically measuring the elite part of the field. They just... They're just a very legendary team. And what's really interesting about the Melbourne Storm is throughout the, the, the period of time they've been so successful, they've had these real iconic players, players who will go down as some of the greatest players of all time. And often what happens when you have a team like this and you have these great players, once those great players leave, the team have a rebuilding period. So, for example, they had arguably one of the greatest players of all time, a guy called Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith is a fin you know, goes down as one of the top five rugby play league players of all time. And two years ago, he retired. And you'd think after that, there'd be a rebuilding phase that would come after that. And this is often what happens in sports teams. You know, you think when Michael Jordan left, you know, these teams rebuilt. When Kobe Bryant left the, the Lakers, the, the rebuilding phase. You know, in many sports, this is what happens. But the Storm don't do this. The Storm, these legendary players will leave and they just stay at this level. And why are they so good? Well, basically what they do is they create an amazing environment that brings the best out of their people. And when we think about amazing environments and we think about high-performance culture, here are some of the things that great high-performance cultures have, is that they have great leaders and mentors. These are people who, who just know how to bring the best out of the people. They have amazing culture and standards. You know, they have this culture... And, you know, I, I, earlier in one of my early episodes, we talked to Brad Moore, one of the All Black coaches, and we talked about culture, and it's that kind of thing of, you know, when I go to this environment, I just be a higher version of myself. And they have standards. They also have really amazing development pathways for people, so they can look at anybody and understand where they are and understand how they need to develop them and actually have the ability to develop them. They also grow the whole person. So when we think about that, you know, these are some, there's probably more things, but these are some of the things these have. And this is what the Melbourne Storm have. So if you're a rugby league player who has the potential to go on to be a professional athlete, like for example, in New Zealand, we have the New Zealand Warriors and, and they've never won a comp. They've kind of always underperformed. They've had a couple good years in their history, but they've been going for 25 years now and they've never really been a championship team. So if I'm a young player and I had the potential of going to the Melbourne Storm or the Warriors, and even if I was paid more, I'd probably go to the Melbourne Storm because I would be a higher performing person in my life. 
Now, when we think about high performance, the Melbourne Storm's obviously a professional sporting organisation. But when we even think of exercise, there's high-performing exercise environments, and there's environments that aren't high-performance. And, and I don't want to pick on the low-cost gyms, but low-cost gyms aren't high-performing environments. Low-cost gyms provide equipment. That's all that is. They provide equipment for you at a very cheap price. And that works for some people, but it doesn't work for a lot of people. And one of the reasons it doesn't work for a lot of people because it's just providing the equipment. If we want a high-performance environment, we want to put ourselves in exercise environments that makes people have things like this, things like they have great leaders, great culture, great standards, development pathways, grow as a whole person. Like think about what I was talking about with Alana earlier on before I did the main gist of the show. Alana is performing higher as a person right now in her life. And the reason is, is we put together a goal setting session. Now she didn't do it. She didn't turn up to that session because she couldn't make it, but she did the work. So she's put herself in an environment that has leaders and mentors, cultures and standards and development pathways that are helping her grow as a person. So if you're going on a fitness journey, you could choose a low price equipment only providing environment, or you can look for a fitness environment that will help you be a higher performing self. And this is what you want to think about when it's the easiest way to get high performance. And it's not that I want to disregard this, but there's often a problem with the high performance environment way of having high performance, is that when you leave the environment, you fall away from this version of yourself and often go to a disappointing place. And interestingly, I was getting my haircut up in Auckland a couple of weeks ago, and I was telling the lady who was doing my haircut about my book. It's kind of my main conversation point right now in my life. And... As I'm talking about my book, she started talking about a guy called Eric Murray. Now, New Zealanders will know who Eric Murray is. Eric Murray is one of arguably one of New Zealand's greatest athletes of all time. Him and a guy called Hamish Bond were two two men rowers in Olympic rowing. They went, I think they went, I don't know exactly, but they went something like eight years without even losing a race. They they won two Olympic gold medals. They didn't even lose a race it wasn't like you know they won the olympics and in the, in the interim they lost a couple of races no they were undefeated pretty much for eight years and then they retired winning the olympic gold medal absolute legend like absolute sporting legend once he's moved away from the, the sporting high performance environment he's put on a bit of weight now i don't think eric murray's massively overweight but he's you know he's he's put on weight he's he's not the athlete he was. And this hairdresser was being a little bit critical of Eric Murray. She was saying it's disappointing that, you know, since he's given up sport, he's kind of become an unhealthier version of himself. And I felt she was being a little bit unfair because it's, well, here's my thoughts. Eric Murray probably went into a high-performance sporting environment around the age of around 17, 18. Like, rowing New Zealand probably picked up around that age. And then from that moment until he retired, which was probably in his early 30s, I don't know exactly, but probably in his early 30s, he stopped being in a high-performance environment. Once he moved away from that high-performance environment, it's, it was probably hard for him to maintain the level that he was with fitness. And why is this? Well, when you're in a high-performance environment, you've got mentors, you know, he probably had you know, nutrition advice. He had an environment that actually made him train hard every day. He would have had self-assessment along the way. He had all these tools and infrastructure that helped him perform to a higher level. And then he stops being an athlete, and overnight, it's like this rug's been pulled from underneath him, and suddenly it's not there. 
And this is sometimes a problem for people who are only reliant on high-performance environments. And you see this a lot with athletes who move away from high-performance environments. That a lot of athletes, unfortunately, once they finish their sport, aren't actually high-performance people from that moment forward in their life. And this can be one of the problems of high-performance environments. Now, it's not saying that you shouldn't be looking for high-performance environments. And I actually think it's one of the keys to high-performance is put yourself in environments that bring the best out of you. But... With this in mind, we also want to develop what I call self individual self-management. And this is the ability to consistently function at a higher level in your life. And when I talk about this, I'm not just talking about in one area of your life. To consistently function at a high area in many areas of your life. So it would be things like health and fitness. It would be your career. It would be... Um, hobbies it would be your relationships in your life like you know that person eh? you know that person in your life who just has it all together you know the person the person who has it in a place where you know they've just got it all together they're high they're good in their career they're healthy they've great relationships they're content in themselves you know it's that person who you know that whatever they do next they're going to be successful in that, that to me, they have that individually self-managed, high-performing people. And, 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 and some of the concepts I'm going to talk about today, because I, I based on this around this talk I did last night, but you wouldn't know because I would have talked about it on the show. But to me, high performance, is, there's two ways to think about this. To know how to live today at a high level and also to deliver in the testing moments in your life. So, to know how to live today to your high level. Now, let's talk about this one a little bit. So... It's that thing that I often talk about is how often do you go to bed 100% satisfied with your day and is this something you create in your life or is it a fluke? Is it something you create or is it a fluke? So sometimes a lot of people, well not going to say this, for some people they go to bed feeling dissatisfied with their day. And, and let's think of what that day looked like. It probably means that they made bad choices around things like nutrition and health. Probably means they spent way too much time on social media or watching TV or just kind of doing something that was kind of unsatisfying. Probably means they mucked around at work. Probably means they did things where they stayed in a behavior for too long. So it might have been that they ate too much food or they watched too much TV for too long. Um, probably means that they didn't do something they know they should have done. So that's kind of the unsatisfactory day. And then if we flip it on its head and say that day which you absolutely go to bed, go, man, I smashed a day, probably mean you look, made healthy decisions, it probably mean you were productive at work, it probably mean you had stimulating conversations, it probably meant that you did something that kind of nurtured you healthily after work. You know, when we think of the good day, that's what we're thinking about. And high-performing people know how to create that day. And, and here's the key thing with this, it's not something that's a fluke, it's something they create. And then the other thing we want to think about is they deliver in testing moments. And what I mean by this is that they, you know, if they do a running race, they actually deliver. If they have to do a big presentation at work, they deliver. If they have to have a hard conversation, which has to have some really big thought, they deliver. If they, have, if they do a hobby and they have to test themselves with their hobby, they deliver. So in the testing moments, in those in the actual moment when you know you're actually gonna to have to deliver in a moment, high performers deliver in this moment as well. And that's why I like to think of high performance in two ways. It's the kind of the ability to be a high functioning person on my day-to-day life, 
and to be someone who delivers in the key moments where I'm tested in my life. And if we go back to this thing of, is this something you create or is it a fluke? Because for some people, it's a fluke. They do have the day where they feel really satisfied, but it's not a consistent experience. It, it kind of happens occasionally. Whereas when we think of that high-performing person, they consistently sit in this place in their life and they the tools and structure that help them be this person. It's not a fluke. They know how to do it. And with this in mind, this is what I want you to think about for yourself. So if you're reflecting upon yourself right now, and we go back to that question of how often you go to be 100% satisfied in your day, what mark would you give yourself? And for some of you guys, it will be really high. And I guarantee if you ask somebody who's giving it really high, is that it's something you create. And when it comes to your testing moments, do you deliver? Do you deliver? It's a really important question to think about. And for again, for those people who do, you know, I guarantee you've got good tools that take you to that place. And for those who are listening to us right now and going, oh, maybe not so much, then this is maybe where we want to go with today's talk. So when we think about high performance, one area I talked about is putting yourself in environments. But the area I'm talking about today is your ability to be a high-performing self-manager. A high-performing self-manager. Now with this in mind, as we're talking right now, I want you to think of two times in your life where you performed at high levels. And I want you to look at this in two ways. One is the testing moment. So it might be that you delivered on an exam that was a really hard exam for you. It might be a sporting achievement. It might be uh, a presentation at work or, or a chunky work project. It might be a relationship thing, whatever. When you delivered in that moment, I want you to identify a moment like that. So as you're listening to me right now, take a moment and think, okay, this moment here. And then also when you think about a day where you were in kind of that flow state, that day when you went to bed 100% satisfied with your day. You woke up in the morning, you got up at the right time, you seemed focused all day, you, you made the good choices around health and fitness, you, you were productive at work, when you connected with people it was in really great ways, you, you know, you, everything you did that day, you go to bed that day and you just go, you know what, I smashed that day. Now I guarantee you, you've had those days, we all have, we've all had good days and, and we've all had bad days as well, and we've all had moments where we've tested ourselves and delivered as well. So I, I know you've had those experiences in your life. So then the second thing to think about is what created those outcomes for you when you delivered on that testing moment? When you reflect back on that, what were the things you actually did that created that for you? When we think of the, the day of flow state, what created that for you? Now, one thing I'm thinking, and there would have been many things, let's be honest, there would have been many aspects for both of those, for the, the key moment of delivery and for the flow state day. But the concept I want to talk to, that I'm going to go deep in today, which is called, you delivered on your high, or, or what I'm going to call your effort moments. Your effort moments. And an analogy I want to give here is the weight loss journey. So the weight loss journey is an interesting journey because a weight loss journey takes a lot of effort over a long period of time. And a good effort moment for a weight loss journey is food planning. If you want to lose weight, one of the best things you can do is commit an hour or two a week to plan your food. Now that can be that can be looked at as in many ways. It could be as simple as planning a food diary for your week. 
It could go as full on as actually, like I know people I've worked with who literally on a Sunday afternoon will make all their meals for a week. Now, why is this a really good strategy? Well, if you plan all your meals for a week, then when it comes time to eat your meals, you don't have to think. It's all packaged up. You've probably made good choices around portion sizes and the types of food you're putting in your body. You know what time you're going to eat it. You just grab the food and you eat it. If you don't put that effort in, then what's going to happen is the moment you come to eat, you now have to make choices. And if you haven't planned your food, you might just go to a takeaway place close to work. And if you go to a takeaway place, let's be honest, we tend to make bad choices. We tend to make the wrong type of food, portion sizes we bigger, and so on and so on. So when we think about the weight loss journey, one of the best things you can do is planning. Now, when we think about the planning, that takes effort, isn't it? That's an effort moment. If you're going to spend an hour to two hours planning your food, that's an effort moment. But if you do win that effort moment, then there's a higher chance you're going to eat well for the rest of the week, which means there's a higher chance you're going to go down the pathway of you achieving the goal of weight loss. And this is this concept of effort moments. And I'm going to go deeper into effort moments really soon, but because there's different types of effort moments that I want to identify today. But the first thing is, is to, to kind of see the effort moments and understand that effort moments lead to high performance. So if we're going to say in the weight loss journey, high performance is represented with you losing weight. You know, that's the ultimate outcome, isn't it? I want to lose weight. So if I put the effort moment of planning food in, is there a higher chance that I'm going to perform that I, the, the outcome I want? The outcome is I want to lose weight. If I plan my food, I'll eat better. I'll probably eat better choices of food and I'll eat less of the foods I'm trying to move towards. So there's a higher chance I'll be a higher performer. And that's what effort moments represents, is the moments I need to put effort in that helps me perform at a higher level which will help me get the benefits that I want. Again, I'll put effort in for two hours on a Sunday, plan my food, make my food for the week. In the moment, I have to perform, I eat better food, which means I get the outcome I desire, which is eating less food. Now, with this in mind, I want to talk a little bit about the benefits before the next year I want to break down. So first of all, what are the benefits of, of effort moments? Well, you build trust and confidence in yourself. Because if you can consistently, again, Let's, I'll talk to the weight loss journey at the moment. If you can consistently, every Sunday, plan your food, you're going to start to see the scales go down, go down, and you're going to start to build confidence that you're going to get to your end point. So you build confidence and trust in yourself. The next area is higher level outcomes. And now, this is probably not so much a weight loss journey thing, but when you're a high performer, you get higher level outcomes. And this is a really important thing to think about. A high performer gets higher level outcomes, so they achieve bigger goals. They, they, you know, they, they get better results. It's simple as that. Higher performers get better opportunities. When you're a high performer, people knock on your door for opportunities. And this is in all areas of your life. Think, think, about, think about when the people you know who's climbing up the ladder quickly in your life. It might be in your career, it might be um, in hobby or whatever, these people often tend to be people who are high performers because people above them see them say, this person's a high performer, I need to give this person the next opportunity. So you get more opportunity. You get a better lived experience. I think this is a really important thing. You know, often in life we think about happiness is the goal. I don't know if happiness is the goal. I think living a rich experience where you have all types of satisfying experiences is important for you. And when you 
sit in a high performance place, you tend to have a higher or better lived experience. You also have a good, better mind space. Because if you've got inner trust and confidence and you're having better outcomes, better opportunities and better lived experience, where is your mind space? It's in a better place. And so with this in mind, these are some of the benefits. Oh, actually a couple of other quick ones. You tend to be more respected by those around you. You know, again, if think earlier on I said, think to that person in your life who you know is a high performer in many areas of their life. Do you respect that person? Do you have a lot of respect for that person? I, I'm pretty sure you do. And I think of the people in my life who are high performers, I definitely have a lot of respect for those people. So, and, and probably the last one is possibility. And when I talk about possibility is that the higher I go up in my performance, the more I think I believe is possible. The higher I go up in my performance. It's kind of like climbing up a mountain. You know, climbing a mountain is a challenging thing, but the higher you go up, the more you see. And it's almost like the same in high performance. If you're a high performer, the more you go up within your performance ability within yourself, the more you see it is possible within yourself as well. And again, reflect upon yourself in your own life. If you reflect upon yourself in your own life, when you've had moments of growth and you've gone to that next level within yourself, did you see, maybe I could do this as well? And that's what this is all about. So let's go back to this concept of high performance or effort moments. And I want to introduce a couple of things, what I mean. So when we think of high performers, what they tend to do is they've created structures that mean they consistently can put effort in. They've created structures that mean they can consistently put effort in. And there's kind of four structures I'm going to introduce to you today. The first is what we call a growth pathway structure. And it can be a goal setting structure as well. So goal setting slash growth pathway effort. The next is a before-the-moment effort. The next is an in-the-moment effort. And then the last is an evolution effort. Now, there's more than this, but here's what I came up with. So so let's break these down. So a goal-setting or growth pathway effort. Now, what this is saying is basically you committing time in your life to put effort in to developing a growth pathway for yourself. Now, we can call this goal-setting, we can call this growth pathway but you know what I mean. And the real key thing when we think about effort moments is putting the effort into the goal setting. Putting the effort into the goal setting. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk a lot about myself right now because um, this is my experience of it. Basically, every three or four months of my life, I sit down and I do a goal setting session. And what that does is it sets my direction up for the next moment in my life. And it's a really important thing that I've done for over 20 years of my life. I, I sit down, I go, where am I right now? And I go through these series of questions and thoughts and problem solving to work out what I want to try to get out of the next block of time in my life. Now, we could talk about goal setting and I'll, and I'll, I'll talk about a couple of things to think about here. But the real thing I want you to think about is putting aside the effort to do a goal setting session. Now, you may be somebody who does a goal-setting session. Again, if you are, massive high-five to you. But a goal-setting session is that thing that people will think they should do and they, a lot of people don't end up doing. And that's where, you, again, going back to Alana earlier in the episode, that's why I'm so proud of Alana, is because she couldn't make the session that I designed for her to do with the group. She just couldn't make that time. But she put the effort in and after, by herself, and now she's experiencing high performance in her life. She's a perfect example of an effort moment. She put the effort in for a goal setting session, and now she's experiencing the reward. 
Now, I, I kind of, as I was doing this presentation last night, I kind of talked about some things to think about within a goal-setting session. And I'm not going to give you a goal-setting framework, although you can go sit back and listen to that one that I did a few episodes ago. But basically, a couple of things to think about. First of all, a goal-setting session should always start with who am I? You know, all growth forward should be moving you deeper into the alignment of self and moving a deeper evolution of what that is. The next thing is it probably needs to determine where you are and how you want to grow over the next period of time. And it needs to consider your whole life. One thing we don't want to create is a one-dimensional person. And so a goal-setting session should consider things like career, health, um, hobby, connection, and so on. There should be a, a deep reflection and assessment part of it. A deep reflection and assessment part of it. Uh, it should set you on the right path based on some of the things I've just talked about. It also needs to understand your own life. You know, So for example, if you're a parent and you don't consider the responsibilities of that you have to bring to your family, and that would be financially, that would be you know the commitment to your children and so on, then that's not a very wise goal-setting session. So it needs to understand your life so then you create a pathway that is the right stretch for the timeframes that you have and the understanding of your life. And that's the last point. The last point is to create a pathway that has the right stretch. And what I mean by that is it's growing you in a way that's stimulating, but also realistic for the time frame that you have in front of you. So it's not too much of a stretch that you'll just give up on day one, but it's also not too easy that you're not actually stimulated along the way. Now, a good goal setting session should explore things like that. There's probably more, and there's different frameworks out there to do that. But the most important thing I'm trying to talk about here today is putting the effort in to do the goal setting session. Now, I'll be honest, my goal setting moment which I tend to do every three to four months is a four to eight hour process a four to eight hour process like it'd be interesting to talk to Alana when we think about Alana and her doing that goal setting of listening to my podcast it'd be interesting to see how long it took her maybe it didn't take her that long mine might be a little bit longer than others but realistically a goal setting growth pathway effort will take you know anywhere from two to eight hours now that's a lot of effort isn't it but what are the rewards of that effort? And again, Alana's a great example of this. She's in a place now where she's performing at a much higher level as an athlete. And it's awesome talking to her about what she has, she's feeling about herself because she put that effort in, a moment of effort, that growth pathway effort, which has put her in a place that she's in right now. So the first area of effort, the effort moments to think about is the growth pathway effort. And are you putting the effort in there? Now, if you are, massive high five. And you may have had moments in the past where you've done this thing, you haven't been consistent with it. So you might have, in the past, had a growth pathway session, but it hasn't been consistent. So there's probably different scales of people listening to this. There's someone who's never done it. There's people who sometimes do it. There's people who do it consistently. And, you know, you might sit somewhere on that scale. What, what I'm really trying to encourage is, is a commitment to four to eight hours, or two to four, however long it takes, Every, you know, time frame that works for you could be four to six months of your life. Do you think that if you made that commitment of that effort of four to eight hours, every three to four, six, whatever time period works for you, that you'd be a higher performer in your life? 
It was interesting. I was watching Richie McCaw. Now, Richie McCaw, for those people around the world who don't who listen to don't know rugby, Richie McCaw is arguably one of the greatest rugby players of all time. And he's got a documentary. And, and you watch him doing his goals. And he's literally got a school book. You know, think of a, a book that you'd write in it, you know, with lines and, you know, just basic blank book with lines on it from school. And here he is writing out his goals. He's He's got a commitment to a growth pathway moment. And he puts the effort into that moment. And it's one of the reasons he's a high performer. Now, when we think about the goal setting process, for you, how you're going to do it, you'll learn along the way. So I'm not going to go too much on the goal setting process. You can go listen to the episode a few weeks ago. But, you know, the more important message I want you to say is, what's your ability to put the effort in every every three or four months or the time frame that works for you? The next effort moment we're going to talk about is what I call the before the moment effort. And I'm going to talk a little bit myself here. And again, if you've listened to the show a lot over the years, you'll probably hear stuff I've talked about before. But basically, the before the moment effort is what you do before the moment you're going to experience the thing. And again, we can do this in two ways. If we think back to that definition I talked about earlier, that definition of living today really well and the high performance moment where you get tested. And I'm going to share a couple of examples. So the high performance moment. So recently I went up to Auckland to do a body tech filming for Les Mills. I did body tech 117. And I, I watched my last piece of work with them. And I determined there was a couple areas that I wanted to evolve in. So I, I, I did an assessment first. And I realized there was one track in particular I really wanted to work on my contrast. And contrast is the ability to kind of emotionally and physically and vocally create a journey when you're presenting. And in my last release, I, I did a good job, but I didn't think I did a great job. And so one of the areas that I really wanted to focus on was this idea of contrast. And there was a couple of areas I wanted to work on as well. Now, for, I was in Auckland for five days, and each day we had about three hours of work we had to do with the rest of the team. So it was kind of that. And then I'd go back to my hotel room, and I, not, not a word of a lie, I said literally I had like a two-metre area, not even two-metre, like a one-metre area, where I stood in front of the, the mirror on the, on the kind of just think like a cupboard, they had a mirror in front of it. I stood in front of that mirror for over 20 hours, practicing and practicing how I was going to deliver that presentation in my key moment. Practicing how I was going to deliver it in that key moment. Now, I've done these for 20 years, and actually, interestingly, last night when I did this presentation afterwards, you know, people asked you questions, and, and Natalie, who, Nat, who I had on the podcast a while ago, that young PT who was an amazing interview, she said to me, Bevan, I couldn't believe you did that 20 hours of work. You know, you, you've done this for so long. Um, you, you know, you, you know your game. You'd expect you to go along and just kind of know how to get along and do it. And it was like, but that's the effort I need to put in to evolve as a person, to actually get on that DVD and perform at a level that I want to be, to be a high performer. That was the level of effort that I needed to put in to deliver that. And that's what it took. That was before the moment effort. So when I got on stage and got in front of all the production and TV cameras and all the rest of it, I was able to deliver the standard that I wanted to deliver. So why was I able to do that? Because I put all the effort before now that's the that's the key moment. Oh, my wife just closed my door. If you hear that creak in the background, um, that's the key moment. That was the you know. So that's like if you're going for a race, 
all those effort moments you need to put in. If you're doing a presentation at work, it's all those before the moments, before you know, before you turn on the projector and you do that presentation. It's all the things you do. Now, also, when we're thinking about before moment, is how do I live today well? And if we go back to that concept of me having a you know a higher percentage rate where I go to bed feeling really satisfied, there's before moment more for effort moments that go into that as well and again I, I, one thing I don't want to sound is like I'm a bloody genius because I, I struggle with these things as well and it's not that I'm perfect but I, I'm going to talk about my process right now so you know I'd have my weekly meeting I don't, I don't need to talk too much about you with this because you've probably heard me talk about this in the show but my weekly meeting is me about planning my week around my whole life in line with my goals around how I want to use my time this week to get the most out of my time that is a before effort isn't it it's me spending 30 to 50 minutes before I actually go into my week. And then in my morning, I read my Bevan book, I look at my, my objectives for the week, I write down my objectives for the day, I plan my day before I start to live my day. What is that? That's a before-the-moment effort. So before I even start my day, I put some effort in to set myself up for success in my day. And that's what we want to think about when we think about before effort. Before effort are the things you do before you actually have the experience, on both the testing moments and the day-to-day way. Now, I'll just throw a couple ideas around how you can become good at before effort. So first of all, one is planning an organisation. So for me, it's that weekly meeting, it's that setting objectives in the morning, it's me scanning my diary before I start my day. Second one is the defining moments tool. And I've done a big podcast on this years ago, so you may want to go search on that, but it's basically scanning your day for the two or three key moments where you know you have to bring your A game. And then preloading what you're going to do at that moment. That's a pretty simple way of defining that. Another way to be great at before effort is great communication with your world. Like if you are a parent, and you need to be going out the door and going for a run at five o'clock and you've got a, a partner or someone who, who helps you with the kids, if you don't communicate with those people, there's a chance they won't turn up on time, which means you might not go for your run or you do it flustered in a way where you won't hit your objective. Whereas if you communicate well with those people in your world, they'll turn up on time, you can hit your objective. Another one, let's be honest, weight loss. One of the hardest things in a weight loss journey is because other people make choices, you make choices as well. So it could be that your partner eats a lot more food with you than you, and they can. And so when it comes to dinner time, they overload their plate, and you've got this portion size, and so you feel a bit, you know, it's a bit hard for you. So you could communicate with them as how can they support you in that time, which is more considerate and more supportive of you making better choices. Or when you go out socially with your partner, you how could you communicate with your partner that, or even your friends, that actually I'm on this weight loss journey. And one thing you could support me is is to not ask if I want dessert. You know? That's a really good before effort thing to do, which will make you successful in your moment. Things like mental prep. Like if you're doing a hard session at the gym, if you go into it and don't do any mental prep, the chances of you performing at a high level are less. Setting objectives for your time. Uh, I've talked to her a little bit of that. Setting the right mental energy, you know, like if you know you've got a testing moment in your day, would you put that testing moment in a moment in your day where you know you're going to be tired? Like, do you think that's a wise strategy? Or would you put either that the testing moment at a time where you have better energy, or would you do a recharge before you have that testing moment in your day? Now, obviously, that's a good thing to do before your moment of effort. And then obviously, what we're trying to do is we're trying to problem solve and evolve this moving forward. But do you believe that if you were to be really good in these areas, things like planning, defining moments, communication, mental prep, objectives, right mental energy, that 
in the moment of effort, you'd be able to perform at a higher level. And as you think about this, because I guarantee you're doing some of this stuff really well, you might be nailing all of them, or there might be some areas which you know that actually deep down you're not doing that well in. If you were to improve this area, do you think you perform at a higher level? Now, when we think about this kind of before effort, like I think of myself, my before effort takes me about three hours a week. So my weekly meeting takes me about 30, 40 minutes. Each morning I spend about 10 minutes, 10, 10, 10 15 minutes going over my, 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 my Bevan book, my objectives for the day and so on. And then throughout the day I'll have these moments where I'm kind of trying to do these before effort moments. So that three hours of commitment a week is what it takes for me. But the return on that three hours is massive. Like when I don't do my weekly meet, when, meeting, I'm a lesser version of myself. Like I really am. I'm a lesser version of myself. When I do it, I'm a higher version of myself. And I like my life better when I do my weekly meeting. I, I feel more satisfied. I'm having better live. You know, think of those benefits I talked about earlier. I like my life better when I do my weekly meeting. So that three hours, I think it was, I read the other day, there's 168 hours in a week. I don't know if that's true or not, but three hours is a massive investment with a massive return on my investment. And that's when we think about, I've talked about types of effort before effort, but what we're really thinking about is that, that the time you put into the before effort. Because if you can become great at it, I guarantee you're going to be a much higher performer. Now, if you're doing great at it, high five, and if you're not doing great at it right now, where's some weird areas that you can just start to add it in? You know, like obviously I've been doing this stuff for a long time, so I'm a bit, you know, I, I kind of I figured out how it works for my life. But it might be just for now, you put aside 30 minutes where you just got to stop and think about your week ahead for you. And that's where you start and you move from that point forward. The next area is what we call the in-the-moment effort. Now, obviously, in-the-moment effort is the tough moments. It's, 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 it's when you're testing yourself. It, it is me doing the presentation on body tech in the class. It's, it's me and my day-to-day -day moments. So probably when we think about in the moment effort, there's a couple of things to think about is how do you stay focused on the right thing when you're in the moment? How do you stay focused when you're in the right thing when you're in the moment? Second thing to think about is Learning what pulls you away from that. And it can be many things. It can be distraction. It can be that things are getting a bit hard. Like, I'll be honest, sometimes on the piano, I'll be doing something that I just find really, really mentally draining, and suddenly my phone becomes a bit appealing in that moment. You know, so sometimes I'll grab the phone. Like, I will, I'll be honest, sometimes I'll grab the phone. But what I want to get better at is learning how to stay in uncomfortable for longer. You know, like... If, like, let's say when I get to an uncomfortable moment in the piano, let's just say, I don't, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but let's just say I can, I can handle 15 minutes in an uncomfortable place. So that means, you know, I can work on a problem for about 15 minutes and then, you know, then suddenly I'm grabbing my phone and I'm just mentally drained. But what I want to learn is, can I get to 20 minutes? You know, and that's that kind of in the moment effort. Can I set a high level of effort for a longer period of time? And... Probably another thing to, to, to think about in this is executing your prep. Because if you've done good before effort, you're often prepared for this moment. So then when you're in the moment, trying to execute the plan that you've put in place. Uh, things like putting using motivational tools in your moment of effort. Uh, evolving this process. And also dealing with all situations in life. So what we're really trying to think about in the moment of effort is 
how do I stay in the effort that I'm trying to sit in at this time? So, for example, let's use the productivity one as well. You've got a project that you want to, you know, do two hours of good quality work on. How do you stay in the good quality work when you're in there is a good thing to think about. Now, I can't really put a time frame in this because it's, it's not so much like a planning thing. But really, if you do your moment before... And, you, you know, each moment before you actually move into the next thing, that could be looking at your objectives, think about those key moments. It's going to take a few, like it literally takes a few moments. And then when you're in it, the effort is learning how well you can handle those moments. And interesting, I, I did a video podcast that will cut, well, I sent out a video. If you want to see my videos, I send them to keepactivewithbevan.co.nz. And basically each week I release these videos. And um, I did one the other day about high pressure repetition. And I was talking about how, Athletes, here's a good example. There's a guy called Jonathan Thurston who's a rugby league player, and he's retired now, but he he kicked some of the most high pressure kicks any kicker could experience. So he kicked, I think he kicked a, a drop goal to win the grand final. He kicked from the sideline to win uh, like just big games. Just think big games. And one thing he did, he was talking about how what do you do to practice high pressure? So he would take a rowing machine down to the side of the of the rugby field. And jump on the rowing machine and do like a hard 400 meters and jump up straight away and then have to kick the ball. And then he'd jump on the rowing machine again and do it again. And what he was doing was creating high pressure moments for himself to have to practice. And what he was learning was how to stay in the effort in the pressure moment, in that, in that moment of effort. Another good example is there was a, another rugby player called Daryl Halligan. And arguably one of the greatest kickers of all time as well. And he had this thing, I can't remember exactly how many kicks it was, but he had basically, he'd have 20 spots on the field, and every day when he went to practice, at the end of his practice, he had to get 20 spots, 20 kicks in a row, before he could finish his practice. And he wasn't allowed to go home until he'd got 20 in a row. Now, let's imagine you've got to 19 kicks, and then you miss a kick, and you have to start again. What's he doing? He's learning how to deal with that pressure of that moment. And he said sometimes he'd be there for an extra two hours because he wasn't, he'd never let himself go home until he got to that point. Now that's brilliant, isn't it? Because he's learning the moment of effort and he's learning how to sustain that. And if you want to be a high performer in the areas that you're thinking about, this is something you want to do. So if you self-reflect yourself right now, where are you doing really well in this area right now? And where can you actually be really in the moment and perform really well? And where are some areas that maybe you can work on within yourself? And this is the great thing about all of this, is that some areas you probably are a bloody rock star, and some areas you are a little bit weaker. Like for me, exercise, I'm, I'm on a rock star level. Keyboard, eh, not so much. Productivity, I think I'm pretty good. Um... Some other areas of my life, I'm not. And that's, that's, that's what's great about you as a person, is that we've got areas where, where we are strong and we've got areas where we can develop. The last area of effort is what I call evolution effort. And this is the effort of you putting time into developing yourself as an overall person. So this is where it comes into things like study. So like education and study. And education and study doesn't have to be you go and get an exam and you do this, that, and the other thing. Education and study is just you growing as a person. So, you know my process, my process is, like, I don't tend to do much formal study nowadays, but I'm always reading and listening, and if I find an audiobook I like, I then study the book and try to apply it. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to learn new ways of looking at the world. And I love this idea of new frames of thinking. And new frames of thinking, so for example, one thing I've been doing recently, I've been learning from this business guy who's just unbelievable. 
You know, I've been watching all his YouTube stuff. I've been buying his books. I've been learning so much from him because he's just teaching me a way of thinking that I've never thought before. And as a business owner, I'd say I'm, I'd say I'm an okay business owner. I wouldn't say I'm a brilliant business owner. But what I'm learning from this guy is making me see business in a completely different light. And as I move forward, I now see ways that I can have bigger impact for my business and have bigger improvements on my business moving forward because I've put effort into evolving myself. So through educating myself and learning from higher levels, I'm seeing a different way of seeing the world. And interestingly, if I think back to that kind of analogy I talked about with possibility earlier, with that um, climbing a mountain, you're seeing a new view. Well, education is kind of the same thing, eh? I think of any era in your life where you have educated yourself, what you get to see is you get to see a, a higher level of seeing the world. And so when we think about the evolution effort, we could talk about the evolution of self, but really what I'm talking about is bringing tools into your life that help you see higher levels in the areas that are important to you. And that can be that can be your career, that can be your hobby, that can be relationship, it could be many different areas of your life. But if you have an effort of evolution effort, then you know, you are going to see higher levels and you are going to be able to be a much higher version of yourself. So when we think about time commitment. Really, if you could commit a couple hours a week, now for me that's probably about right. I, you know, think of listening to audiobooks and putting time to studying subjects and stuff like that. It's probably about a couple hours a week. Now, when we think about this, so the four areas I've introduced today is growth pathway effort, before the moment effort, in the moment effort, and evolution effort. Here's the thing: all of this sounds like a lot of effort, doesn't it? Like all of it sounds a lot of effort. But if you want to become the person who knows how to live today well, and also delivers in your testing moment, if you can set up the infrastructure around this, so you can commit that four to eight hours where you do your growth pathway, where you can commit that one to three hour a week where it's just about you doing that moment, moment before effort, and then you can learn how to sit into hard effort you know, more often, or in the moment effort more often, and then you can keep your evolution effort in your life, do you think you're about to sit in that place where A, you have a higher percentage of satisfying days, and B, you deliver more often in those testing moments in your life? Because to me, that's what high performers do. And and if you're not in that place right now, I'm not beating you up right now, it's, it's cool, because we can just start you working on this. But ultimately, if you can do this, you're going to have that inner trust, you're going to have those outcomes, you're going to get better opportunities, you're going to have better lived experience, better mind space, better respect, better possibilities, and so on. So what are the tips for you being successful with this? Well, first of all, I think the most important thing is create your infrastructure. And depending on where you sit on the scale of what I'm talking about today, I think the first thing to say is, if you're someone this is totally new to, the best place to start is just to commit half an hour a week to yourself. You know, commit half an hour a week. Put aside 30 minutes a week where you go, you know what, I'm just going to do some work on myself. Now, over time, if you commit to that, and you start to evolve that and commit more time and energy to this kind of effort kind of thinking, you will get to a place where it's a much more evolved thing and it is taking to a much higher level. But if, if you are at the beginning, just making that commitment to like a little bit of time each week that you're not going to compromise on. Secondly, make them a habit. So if I do reflect upon myself, my weekly meetings are habit, my morning meetings are habit. These things are just things that, and to be honest, once they become a habit, they're less of an effort. Like, I don't have to put much effort to put in my weekly meeting nowadays because it just kind of happens. The next thing is, is notice the difference. Like when you do a thing like a before effort or a growth pathway effort or noticing when you stay in moment effort for a longer period of time, 
notice the benefit. Because the better you can become at understanding the benefit, the more you want to do the thing. And eventually, it seems stupid to not do the thing. Like for me, to not do a weekly meeting is me going to myself, I want to be a 60% version of myself this week. I don't want to be that version of myself. I like being the version at a higher level. So, I, you know, for me now, I've done it long enough. It's like, well, this is a choice I don't want to make. Uh, learn along the way. Again, we've got scales of people listening to this. Some of you guys will be rock stars and some of you will be at the beginning. But you can always learn along the way around all of these processes. Enjoy effort. And, and what I mean by this is that, you know, actually enjoy having effort in your life. It's a really important thing to do. You just enjoy having that effort in. Because if you can enjoy having effort in your life, you know, that's, that's a massive advantage for you in life. And then lastly, ultimately what you're trying to do is as you learn these tools and you learn these things, is lock in consistency. No, don't lock in inconsistency. Lock in consistency. So that's what we want you to think about as you do this, is, is once you start to understand these tools and these effort moments, then lock them in consistency in your life. So if I'm going to challenge you, ultimately I, I want you to think about how you're doing in these areas. And it's not a beat up thing. It's just you know reflect how I'm doing. And maybe choose one area that you're going to focus on in the next week or two. It might be you, you, you do the growth pathway effort. Or it might be you're going to do, spend a bit of time in one area. It might be, you know what, you are trying to lose weight. And you're going to focus on before effort around your weight loss journey. So you are going to do that lunch thing on a Sunday. Or it might be your in-the-moment effort. It might be that when you practice playing the guitar, you get distracted by your phone after five minutes, so you're going to practice being in the moment for a longer period of time. Or it might be that you're going to buy a book and actually study it. Choose one area. Don't overwhelm yourself. You know, growth pathways aren't about chucking everything on your shoulders. They're about finding a small step that you can stretch yourself in over a short period of time. And then from there forward, you can evolve, you can add and move from there forward. So to recap, to be a high performer, there's many ways. One good way to be a high performer is to be somebody who goes to high performance environments. And I still encourage doing this. But also what we want to become is a great self-manager of high performance. And the best way to do that is to understand that there will be effort and to put energy into winning effort moments. The four effort moments I talked about today was growth pathways, before the moment, in the moment, and your evolution effort. If you can become great at these and evolve these as you walk down your pathway, you being a high performer is guaranteed and you'll get amazing benefits for the rest of your life. And also, how do I always finish this? I go, you'll be a higher version of yourself. Hope you got something out of that. And again, I've talked a lot about Alana today. So Alana, if you're listening to this, you're my rock star today. Um, Alana's a really good example of this, isn't she? You know, like, what did she do? I was praising her before the episode. But what she did is she, she's now doing, she's doing her growth pathway effort. She's probably doing a lot more before the effort moment, uh, before effort. And she's also doing a lot of an effort as well. So good work, Alana. I do want to talk about one thing before I kind of do my wrap up of the show. So last night I did this presentation. And I've got to be honest, I designed this in like, Two hours. My book is everything in my life right now, and and it's a it's a massive project. We, we we see that we actually see the finish line now, and we're seeing the finish line a couple of weeks before release date, which is really great. So we're, we're hitting timeframes, we're getting everything done. Um, and this here I got asked to do about a month ago, and I knew I was I, I wasn't going to have the time to design it until about two days before. And again, I couldn't really find it until 
the epiphany moment where I was teaching that class. And so I designed it pretty much on Wednesday and Thursday, and it took me about three hours to design. And uh, I'll be honest, it's far from a polished presentation. Like if I was going to do this for a company or something like that, do it as a public talk, I'd spend a lot more time on it to get it really refined. Uh, but I did do it last night, and last night it was very much like today you've got, I've done it once, and so I've, I know my beats a little bit better, and I've probably done it a lot better than what I did it last night. Um, but posted a guy called Josh. Josh is a guy who's an instructor at the gym, uh, and Josh is works and with big companies, kind of facilitating this type of stuff. And afterwards, you know, everyone I got really good praise, and I said they really enjoyed it. Um, and he said afterwards, afterwards, he said, can we hang out for a second? He said, do you want some feedback? And um, and I was like, yeah, of course, of course. And it was a really good thing to do because when I was younger. So Josh came back to me and he gave me some really good pieces of advice. So his pieces of advice were, and you, you would have seen this, like last night I talked a lot about me. Um, today I didn't talk so much about me. Last night was like, and I showed a lot of things because a lot, A, you guys have heard a lot of my stuff before anyway. And B, I took on Josh's feedback. But uh, one of his pieces of feedback was know your audience. And he felt that maybe I probably could have directed it more towards group fit, was probably one of his pieces of feedback. Uh, his, his next piece of feedback was, I, I talked a little bit about um, my punishment strategy around Coke Zero, and he thought it was a little bit dangerous because for people who maybe can't maintain the standards that I can, that, that was maybe a thing we had to be a bit more considerate around how I approached that, and you'll notice I didn't talk about it today. Uh, and then he also said that sometimes in my presentation last night, when I was doing the presentation, I made statements which assumed that the audience was failing in this area. And this is something I'm actually really aware of. Like whenever I write or I do things, I, I never assume that you're failing in this area. But maybe because I wasn't as prepared as I would normally be with this presentation, I did make that mistake last night. Um, and you probably would notice if you went back and listened to this feedback, or listen to today's talk, I, I stayed away from those things. Now, getting feedback's real, and Josh's feedback was great. And and he, and he did say, he loved what I did, and he said that actually some of the, because he presents to high-level people all the time, he said some of the concepts I came up with he's never heard before. So it was, it was like, here's 10% of things to think about. But it was really, what's more important is, feedback's so great. Like Josh's feedback made, like even from, like I literally did this presentation 12 hours ago and I've done it 12 hours later and it's better because of Josh's thing. Now if I hadn't have listened to Josh or if I'd been defensive, if I'd said, oh no, I'm right, mate, I, I, I think I'm on the right path, I would have made the same mistakes with you guys today. And feedback is so important. Now one thing with feedback, and it was interesting because Josh said, can I give you feedback? And most of us are going to go to defense in that place, aren't we? And I've learned the best strategy for me to feedback is go, A, I want to take on feedback. I remember my mate Porno, he came and watched one of my technique workshops for running. And afterwards, he wrote me out this page of feedback. And it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And, and this is the thing about feedback. As long as it's coming from the right place from that person, it's it's there to help you. But sometimes it's hard to take on. You know, like sometimes it's hard to take on. But I, I, when I was listening to Josh, I thought, be totally 100% open. Don't be defensive. And even sometimes when they tell you things like, like that thing of like, when I did the presentation last night, I sometimes made statements which assumed they were failing in that area. Now, normally I don't do that. I actually think I'm really good at not doing that. And when I write, I'm really aware of that. I never brush everybody with one stroke. Um, but obviously I did make that mistake last night. Now, I could have gone on to, yeah, normally I don't do this, you know, you know maybe I was just one off tonight. But I didn't. I just was open to what he had to offer me. Secondly, 
After he was giving me each point, I recapped the point that he was telling me. And I think this is a really important thing because I want to get clear understanding that I understand what he told me. And actually, the one around the Coke Zero, when I recapped, he said, oh no, that's not quite it. And he let me know where I got it wrong and what he needed for me to know. And this is really important because when it comes to feedback, we want to get that clear understanding around what they're actually trying to teach us. Because if I didn't get that clear understanding, I could make the same mistake again. So that's why it's good to recap back to the person giving you the feedback. And then lastly, thank them and try to apply. Now, I've tried to apply today. I think I've avoided some of the mistakes. And maybe I should actually send this to Josh and say, did I do a better job? And I haven't spent a lot of time trying to refine. As I said, if, if I was going to get paid to do this for a corporate or for a presentation, I would spend a lot more time refining it and make it a much better. And, and also, to be honest, I'd probably do a bit more group work. So there's a bit more self-assessment and self-work in it. But you could see what I'm saying there. And so when it comes to feedback, feedback's of such a powerful tool in life. How can you get better at getting feedback? Now again, you might be great at getting feedback and you might already be doing some things I've done and, and there's probably other things that I can do right now. But if you know you resist feedback, here's a couple of things to think about. Be open. The people who just want to help you. They're not, they're not here to tell you you're wrong, you're bad. They just want to help you progress. Secondly, try to understand the feedback that they're giving you and then communicate it back to them. Thirdly, thank them for their feedback and then lastly, try to apply it. Anyway, uh, that's the main just of today's show done uh, I want to say a big thank you to the patrons if you do want to support the show one way you can do that is go on your pod feeder and give it a review uh, the book is coming out I am going to ask you to buy it because I want to help as many people as possible and yeah keep being you and I'll say, oh, if you want to be a patron be a patron keep being you and I really look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks from now anyway see ya bye